Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday morning messages are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, enjoy the message. Many, many generations ago, God called a young man to be one of the most powerful writers, speakers, teachers, apostles that has been recorded in what we know as the Holy Bible. In the New Testament, he has many letters that he's written to the churches called epistles. And when it comes to our times in this, what is called a cultural revolution, a time of challenging the norms, the conservative ideas, the morals that we as a nation have come to embrace, it causes us to wonder and to think and to dig as to what does the Bible teach on such things. Many of these beliefs that we have emanated, came from the Bible. And so when it comes to understanding how we are to respond and move forward to these challenging times, how we raise our families, how we function within our marriages, how we live our lives in these challenging times, it's time to call Paul. We are in part three of this series that I've called Better Call Paul. And today, I want to talk about God's better plan. The problem that we find in the Galatian churches is that they have been uh, preached to. They have been planted by Paul and, and uh, in the ministry that has taken place there. Many churches have been planted, and these new, burgeoning, growing churches are somewhat vulnerable to some of the teachings that might come from those who don't, do not fully embrace what Paul has been teaching. And so Paul called these men Judaizers, and these were men who were determined to reintroduce the practices of the law to new Christians, specifically circumcision, which we know was a, an important uh, religious right that children were to embrace in order to be identified as Jews and to come under the Mosaic law. But Paul is very discouraged, if not infuriated, by what has been taking place as these men have come in and scooped up the innocent and begun to deceive them uh, according to what Paul has observed. And so in Galatians chapter 4, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, Paul says this, You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So it's interesting. Paul sees this temptation to be circumcised as much more than just a physical reality. He's saying, or a physical uh, right. He's saying this is you embracing the whole matter, that this will be a slippery slope for you. And that what these men are trying to do is draw you back away from the work of Christ by entering into legalism, by entering back into the old law that, as Paul said in Romans, had not failed, but it had accomplished what God intended it to do. And that was to cause man to see that he was utterly incapable of being able to perfect or make himself holy or even by following the strict and stringent rules of God, his ordinances, that man would utterly over and over and over again fail. 
and so requiring, creating this need for a Savior and causing men to see that they absolutely needed one. Paul made this point. If, you'll, if you have listened to uh, last week's, the last two parts of this series, you'll know that Paul has made his case in the book of Romans regarding how every man has fallen short of the glory of God, and they need a Savior, and God has provided one. So Paul is very upset. And so what he, he then points out what the Judaizers' motives really are. Look at Galatians 5, verse 12. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. In other words, in outward appearance, they obviously Christians have been enduring a lot of persecution, especially those Jews who have decided to follow Jesus Christ as their Messiah. They have endured a tremendous amount of persecution. And so he says that, that what's going on here is they're drawing you back because obviously they're somewhat ashamed of the persecution they're experiencing. And so he goes on in verse 12, the only reason, this is Paul, the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now check that out again. Let me read that again. To avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. What he's saying is that their ultimate motive is that they are trying to find a middle ground. They're trying to pull away that there is some measure of shame regarding their association with what is taking place. And in the case of what's happening here is essentially losing their Jewishness, walking away from the concept of the law and the moral law and the ceremonial law, which of course they've not been able to fully enjoy uh, for centuries. But when we think of this and how we transition to what, what God might be speaking to us today, is, is this a problem today? Are we as Christians trying to blend in so hard and as such forget who we are and what we've been called to do? Paul said in Romans chapter 1 that he was not ashamed of the gospel. He said, for it is the power of God for everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17. So when we think about our times, you know, we as Christians, we will be challenged with this very same choice. Are we ashamed to embrace what, what Jesus taught? Are we ashamed to embrace his, not only his teaching on morality, but his, his exceptional teaching on morality? When he said, you know, that you say to look on someone lustfully as he said, uh, or to act and become an adulterer as a sin, he says, I say, if you even look at a person, that it's sin in your heart. So Jesus made it, very, very clear that sin emanates from the heart. And this became a teaching of Christians. It began to change their lives in ways that are, are, are so powerful, transforming lives. But obviously, it cuts right across the grain of the world's wisdom and its ways. The very specific understanding of what was harmful living and what was not. And so I, what I'm talking about here today for us is, does, does Paul, if we called upon Paul right now and we asked him to come, Paul, give a commentary on what you see in our culture. Give a commentary on how what we are doing and what we're being challenged to do or not do in our culture. How would you respond? And based on what Paul writes on what I would call his timeless teachings, I think he would be very, very disappointed and that he would see that many times Christians are pulling away from standing for the truth, 
standing for what we believe and what we know Jesus taught very clearly that perhaps we're allowing ourselves to fall away from Christ too, to alienate ourselves from Christ. Well, you know, he said, Paul was very disappointed because he was basically saying, look, are you trying to go back and improve your lives through legalism, through something else? And, and what and essentially, if we were to understand it today, what, what the Judaizers were suggesting, go back to religion and traditionalism and thus avoid the, 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 the harder arguments, the, the struggles over sinfulness, the struggles over what is specifically considered sin and not as sin. Because see, legalism often follows the letter of the law, but there's a deep hypocrisy on the inside. No one knows that more than Paul himself. Here he was with great passion trying to defend God and the Old Testament law, and yet he was putting Christians in prison and seeing them put to death. I think we got a problem there. That is a hypocrisy. And Paul is, is, is vehemently defending the fact that the church must not give in to this. They must not go back to this ritualism, to this traditionalism that would strip the gospel of its real life its real purpose, and that is to transform the human heart by embracing the teachings of Jesus Christ, the teachings that, that, that Paul took from Christ and his understanding of the Old Testament moral law and brought it forth and helped the church, essentially uh, building the orthopraxy, the theological underpinnings, the truths that would bear the, the church, that would, would cause the church to grow. And these are the very things <clears throat> that we're looking to today. So he's opposed to what he sees happening uh, to these poor Galatians. And he sees them going backward towards a works religion and not a faith in Christ. Is this an overreaction on Paul's part? No. He knows that this will open as they embrace even just the idea of circumcision, that this is going to open the floodgates of bondage, control, and a lifelessness within the church. The church has battled it in modern times ever since because in the end, it abandons real love and drifts back to a real useless ritual, traditional control. You know, I asked my congregation on Sunday, I said, you know, if you in any way, shape, or form this morning came to church thinking that going to church was going to earn you any favor from God, that it was going to solidify your, your salvation, to make you feel like that you have done something in, in a capacity to try to earn God's love and earn salvation, then you do not understand what grace is. Paul is the apostle of grace, and he had to take this very stringent, very controlling religion, Judaism, and help them understand that it was a starter pack. It was, it was the foundation to understand morality and then begin to present it through the grace of God and through the amazing work of Jesus Christ who fulfilled the ceremonial law on our behalf. And then he teaches very strongly there in Romans chapter 6, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, we died to sin. How can we walk in it any longer? Paul understood grace because Paul experienced and received, and received a tremendous amount of grace. He knew that he was a murderer. He knew that he had judged and was fighting against God, but yet God was merciful, knocked him off his horse, blinded him, and revealed himself to him and said, you are fighting for the wrong side. 
And of course, then Paul gave his life to Jesus Christ. He began to study the scriptures. He began to understand that what Jesus did on the cross was a fulfillment of God's promise from the very beginning, that mankind would be set free from their sins by one sacrifice once for all. And by their opening up the door to set us free from the law of sin and death and setting us free to be able to follow the Holy Spirit, listen, and in many ways, just bring us back to ground zero. We're no longer underwater when we think about trying to obey or follow God. No, now we are set free to be able to obey and be able to walk after his ways. Paul gets after that here in just a moment. So let me, let me move on. So how does this affect us? Why is Paul so upset about that? Well, he makes his case that our understanding of grace is, is the key to walking in freedom. That Christ fulfilled the law for us, and now we who put our hope in Christ are all children of Abraham. So he's, he's appealing to him, why do you want to go back to being Jews? Why do you want to go back and to, uh, to submit back to these laws? He says, once you open that can of worms, if you have to obey one, then you're going to have to obey them all. If you want to go back to this legalistic works salvation, you will find that it's incomplete. And he said, that's why he says, you're alienating yourself from Christ. You're walking away from the cross. You're walking away from the grace that was purchased there on the cross for you. So Paul is obviously very upset. And he's saying, look, they're appealing to you to become Jewish or to, be, to, to go back to your roots that way. And Paul makes this wonderful case by saying, well, look, God told Abraham, look into the stars of the sky and notice that how many there are. And he says, you'll become the father of many, many nations. And what did Abraham do? It says here that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Paul makes this case. He talks about this in, in his wonderful uh, epistle to the Romans. He says, Abraham was the father of faith. And the idea of what Abraham did, we are all children of Abraham. We are all those stars that he was seeing. And, we, and because now we are children of him, why? Because of our faith is, is exactly the same thing that he had. God said, I will make you a father of many nations. And Abraham said, I believe. God says to us, I have forgiven your sins by sending my son. He died for you that you might be clean, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. No blood needed, no sacrifices needed, no temple needed, no going through the motions needed, no, no ritualization, no tr traditions, no holly, uh, holy days, uh, high, high holidays or ceremonies, none of that. All we need is a simple belief in Jesus Christ. So Paul says, we are children of Abraham if we believe. And he says, so why would you want to go back and trying to fulfill all that when God has made it simple? When you can, you can literally just step into being a child or one of those stars in the heavens that Abraham was looking up at by simply believing God. So he, of course, is very upset because he sees the simplicity and the power of the gospel. Certainly that must have been an offense to Paul when he began to study it. As he began to see and looking at it, and I could almost put myself in Paul's way in, in, in his place and almost dramatically walk it through and him looking at it and saying, this can't be. This is too simple. How could this, how could this, this, this tremendous heritage, all of the sacrifices, the temple, the, the desert, the, the miracles, all these wonderful things that God did, the, the, the warnings, the blessings, the cursings, how could this all come to just the simple choice to believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth 
lived and died, was raised from the dead and ascended to the Father and is coming again. How could it be that simple? Well, it's exactly that simple, my friend. And that's what Paul was trying to communicate. Why are you trying to complicate this? Why are you trying to strip the gospel of its powerful simplicity? My friend, are you listening to me today? Are you seeing that Paul is speaking to us today to communicate his passionate resolve, his passionate discovery of what the gospel really is? Let's move on. He says in Galatians chapter 2, he says, Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Why? Because it opens the door to legalism and the vain attempt to earn our salvation. He sees it for what it is. And you might say, well, you know, there are no other things. I'm, I'm not trying to become Jewish. I'm not trying to, to do anything that, that would go back, because most of you, I'm sure, who are listening to this message today are would be considered Gentiles, you know? And that's okay. But I think what we are finding here, what, what we need to dig a little deeper for, is the same spirit of deception exists today. Paul would smell it. By the Spirit of God, he would smell it. He would see that there are those among us who are trying to drag us back to a lifeless religion. They're trying to drag us back to something that is robbing mankind of the true simplicity of the gospel. They're trying to drag us back into to the thought of earning our selfish salvation by doing anything religious, traditional, going through the motions. I challenge you today that if you do all these things and yet have never heard the voice of God, have never read the scripture for yourself, have never heard the Holy Spirit whispering to your ear, I challenge you today to, 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 to realize that, my friend, you have been deceived, that you are follow, following a lifeless religion and not a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus always wanted. And yet we have made such a mess of this. And Paul is... Is, is fervently upset about it. He's, 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 he's wanting to point this out, and he would do so again today to say, Christians, why are you being deceived and, and walking back? This is supposed to be a celebration. This is a joyful time. This is a time of being able to move forward in the favor of God, not to sit on our hands and, and hope, and maybe just as if I live a life that's good enough that maybe, just maybe, I'll get saved. Maybe I'll be a part of that 144,000. Maybe I'll be a part of, of that chosen elite group that make it because I was good enough. All lies, everyone from the pit of hell. So our main point today here, my friends, is that good works, practices, or traditions are the fruit and the indicator of our faith not the method by which we come to faith. We do not earn salvation in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> you know, those who would teach the, such things, Paul goes on in Galatians chapter 5, and this is, this is what he, why he says this is so important. He says, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And he goes on and quotes uh, the, a proverb, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And that's exactly right. A little deception begins to work its way. And he goes, I am confident in the Lord that you'll take no other view. In other words, once they begin to embrace and hear the truth, that they will go back and say, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go back to this lifeless, this rat in the cage chasing and spinning in, in, this, in this little uh, circle. 
I want to move forward and experience the love and the mercy and the grace of God. I want to embrace all that Jesus did for me on the cross. I want to be able to enjoy the fruit and the power of what was done there on the cross. And what is grace, by the way? I mean, to some of us, it's just a word. But it's God, it is essentially God doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. Paul made that case in the book of Romans. To help us understand is that God has done it for us. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. If you're thinking that I'm crazy or that I'm preaching something you've never heard before, then my friend, you need to spend more time in the scriptures. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved. Oh, well, we all believe that. But check this out. For by grace you have been saved through faith. I believe that. I believe because I, believe, because I did believe that I've been saved, but I still see that as my work, something that I have done, and I need to continue to walk in this faith every single day. But look what it says going on. Let's not stop there. He goes on and says, and that not of yourselves. He's saying that even that faith didn't come from you. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And that's the purpose. I mean, other than God just wanting to give us a free gift. But Paul sees that as one who could boast, one who had walked as a Pharisee of Pharisees, one who had improved and, and, and lived an impeccable life, lined up to be in the Sanhedrin, trained by the very best. Paul had every reason to boast, but as he began to go through the scriptures, as he began to understand what the gospel really is, he came to the conclusion that it was all just dung compared to the, the, the wonderful work of Christ. And so this whole idea of trying to earn this, to, to go back to a dead uh, understanding, trying to, to earn our favor from God is useless. And it will bring us to pain and sorrow. And those who embrace it continue to walk in this control. They continue to use, to, to use fear and anxiety to control the hearts of mankind. And, it, and it's, it's very bothersome, especially for me as a pastor. So let's move on there. And he says, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Ah, so my statement regarding good works is absolutely true. They are the fruit and indicator of our faith not the method by which we come to faith. No, the scripture made it very clear. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. Then, of course, and the reason why I'm mentioning Ephesians is because he has taught this in more than one place. This is his message. He understands that God has made a tremendous move forward toward us, and he's always wanted us, and he's always wanted to come and to pay the price for us. Jesus' work on the cross is effectual, it is, it, it is incredibly powerful. What that work has done has secured me. It's held me fast. His, it's not incomplete. It's not insufficient. No, it's powerful to hold me fast in what we call that grip of grace. God who loves me, who has adopted me, who has drawn me into himself, he will never let me go. Isn't that what Jesus said? You remember what Jesus said? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you even to the ends of the world. That's a promise. And we see that coming forward in grace. And Paul understands this. That's why he's so upset that they would be robbed of this wonderful truth in Revelation. 
So how should we then live? I'm gonna take just real quick, you know, if you'll study the rest of the book of Galatians, you'll embrace this because I know what goes on here is that people will say, well, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What you're saying is that I don't have to do anything? Are you saying that all I have to do is trust in the grace of God and, and just live my life? Yes and no. Yes, on one hand, that you no longer have to try to work to earn your salvation. But on the other hand, we are now set free to be able to do what God has called us to do. It's funny because people challenge these doctrines, these, these thoughts, these teachings of Paul by saying, well, wouldn't that just call us, cause us to be lazy and just sit around and do nothing? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, everyone that I know who, has a, who have a passionate relationship in Jesus Christ and who walk in an understanding of grace are more passionately set free to serve God because they're no longer under threat. Think about it. When I tell my children, look, I want you to go and mow the grass, or I want you to go and do this. If I have built up an understanding, they understand my love and my affection for them. They understand that whether they obey or don't disobey, I'm always going to be their daddy. If I am constantly full, pouring into them uh, an understanding of not only my love for them, but my authority as their parent, they are set free and their look in their eye is, I have no trouble doing this because I'm not under threat. I'm not under the control. I'm not, I enjoy doing this for you because I know you love me. Now, that's a totally different motivation altogether, isn't it? I love serving God because I know he loves me. And here's the cool part about it. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's an incredible amount of fun. Why? Because if I believe in the providence of God, and I believe what Ephesians chapter 2 says here, that God created good works for me to perform, well, then they're waiting for me and you out there. They're waiting. God has already created them. They're waiting for me to walk into. Well, that's pretty exciting. That means God has got some things out there for me that if I just begin to put one foot in front of the other and I begin to move forward in obedience and follow the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, I will walk right into them. So I'm going to take these last few minutes to just say how Paul responded because he knew that the challenge would come back and say, well, what are you talking about? Some kind of a greasy grace? Are you talking about me not, uh, uh, are, you, are you encouraging Christians to do nothing? Uh-uh, check it out. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. God cannot be mocked, he says later. What a man sows, he will reap. So he's making it really clear that this grace is not a license to, to continue on in sin. He already dealt with that in Romans chapter 6. Shall I go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means I died to sin. How can I live in it any longer? It's death to me. It killed me. It destroyed me. It, it killed and destroyed Adam and Eve and every man and woman thereafter. Why would I even want to continue to walk in that? No, now I am set free to obey. Now I can begin to walk in the wonderful things. And so he's saying, don't use your friend freedom to injure your soul and your body. He then goes on in, in, in Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 18. He says, be led by the Spirit. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now check that out. Before in the Old Testament, to try to avoid the flesh and the power of sin was just working, was striving, was trying to avoid it. Now God says, no, no, no. Now be led by the Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit. He will lead us into that which is good. And he goes, you know what? There's a lot of incredible fruit out there too. And you'll know the Spirit because the Spirit will lead you toward the things of God. 
and away from the things of flesh. He will bring discomfort to your soul when you do things that are sinful. And he will bring joy and peace and love and grace and, and all the wonderful fruit that flow out of our life. He said, if you're, if you're being led by the Spirit, you're no longer under law. You'll fulfill the moral law by simply following the Spirit of God. And then, of course, he goes on and says, look, look to, so there's, there's no confusion. He makes clear what this, the, the acts of the flesh are. And he would do the same if he were here today. And he lists them. And I'm just going to read this. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. He says, I warn you as you did before that those who live like this will, no, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so for those of you who may be tempted to think that I'm promoting or Paul was promoting a grace without an obedience to or a heart for a sinless life, that's not what Paul was saying at all. He says, again, you have been set free to obey and now the Holy Spirit will show you those things which are of God and those which are not. When we're under the law and walking in legalism, we're on this treadmill. And what's amazing is that it brings death over and over again to where we have this divergence of soul. Follow me on this. A divergence of soul where we will believe that we can improve our lives, but yet we will find really none deep, deep in our heart. We will become much more of a divided human being because we think we're earning favor through just our outward actions, but deep in our heart, we're nowhere near real obedience. Now, I challenge you to embrace that because it's true. If you no longer want to walk in this lifeless religion, but want a relationship with Jesus Christ, all you have to do is ask him. Paul was afraid for the Galatians. He was angry that they might be tempted to do something other than what he taught. He said, this is a false gospel. And it's still being preached today, my friend. But if Paul were here, if we could call Paul, he'd say, no, no, no. Follow the ways of grace. Embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior. And let him work inside you, causing you to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's his heart. Folks, God bless you. You have a great day. You've been listening to Valley's podcast. Valley Community Church is located at 1215 Julian R. Allsbrook Highway in Weldon, North Carolina. We invite you to attend one of our Sunday morning services at 8.30, 10, or 11.30 a.m. Visit us at valleychurch.us or our Valley app for more information about our ministry.